This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, we are uh, trying to finish today the Sefer Igeret Haramban. The Ramban's book, or Ramban's letter, which became a book. And the Ramban says that follow all these things which I told you, that you should be succeed in all your ways. Succeed in all your ways. So how do you succeed in all your ways? What do you mean by succeed in all your ways? You've got to succeed in everything you do. But to scale le'olam haba. And be worthy of the next world. Which is hidden for the righteous. So many people want to be worthy in this world. They want to be successful in this world. But they, they, they think this world is the only world. That's a big mistake. A very big mistake. We find that was the big debate between Yaakov and Esav. Esav and Yaakov, the twins. Yaakov says there are two worlds. And Esav says there's only one. I don't want the next world. I want this world. I want this world. I want it here and I want it now. Instant gratification. That's Western civilization. I want it now. I want the food. I want the clothing. I want the money. I want everything that I can benefit from in this world. And Yaakov says, don't worry. You'll get this world. But there's a better world. There's a bigger world. There's a better world. And that's something which we mustn't lose sight of. Because it's very, very easy in this world we're in to lose sight and think this is the only world. And the rabbis tell us in Pekeavot, it's a prusdor. This world is just a corridor. It seems like a pretty solid corridor. It seems like a very big corridor. There's bright lights and there's uh, sunshine and beaches and all kinds of things you can do. It's just a corridor. And we know that however long a person lives, it's never long enough. However long a person lives, never long enough. A person lives 80 years old, Okay, 80 years old. Today, 80 years old is nothing. 90, 100. How long can a person live? So how, many, how many enjoyments can a person have in this world? It's finite. The next world is infinite. And that's what the Ramban says. The Ramban says, A person must say to himself, I will reserve my enjoyment for the world to come. Instead of enjoying this world, I'll enjoy in the next world. Better. So a person says, you know what, I can have a choice. I can go to this party and I can have fun, whatever. Instead of that, I'll go, and I'll learn Torah, I'll reserve my enjoyment into the next world. So this world, all the pleasure you have in this world, doesn't last. A person eats a steak. How long does it take to eat a steak? 15 minutes. 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And how long does the pleasure last you? Huh? As soon as it's finished, Done. it's forgotten. You have an ice cream. Oh, don't, don't tell me about ice cream. I love it. Shh, ice cream. One minute. It's so good, but it doesn't last. The pleasure doesn't last. It's fleeting pleasure. Hevel Havalim Amar Kohelet. Kohelet says it's vanity. It just doesn't last. Kohelet was an expert on pleasure. Kohelet, he, King Solomon, knew every kind of pleasure there was. He tried every single pleasure, and he tells us, I've tried everything, guys. There's nothing to it. There's nothing in this pleasure. It doesn't last. There's no pleasure that lasts. So, a life of change, a life of work, doesn't last. 
Shabbat is the only taste we have in this world of Olam Abba. Shabbat is our taste. There's no other taste than Olam Abba of the next world. Shabbat me'en Olam Abba. A person who keeps Shabbat, it's an island in time. It's a holy island in time. And it gives us a little taste of Olam Abba. So what is Olam Abba? Olam Abba is a day of physical, not striving, peace. It's a day of physical peace. It's a day when you're not running. At least not, maybe the shul, that's about it. You're not running around. You're not trying, striving. You're not working. It's a day where you can sit and recognize that if you worked yesterday, now you can eat today. Olama Ba is if you work today, you can eat in Olama Ba. If you don't prepare for Olama Ba, there's nothing in Olama Ba. A person has to prepare. This is the world where we prepare. This is Erev Shabbat. We are now preparing for our Shabbat. What is Shabbat? Olama Ba. A real Shabbat is Olama Ba. So a person gets into the habit of preparing for Shabbat, will get into habit also. Don't forget the real Shabbat. Don't forget a person's real Shabbat. Every mitzvah we do here, we're preparing for our real Shabbat. This is fake Shabbat. This is a preparation Shabbat. The real Shabbat will be in the next world, which will last forever. Forever. Hayom la'asotam machari kabel The Gemara says in Eruvim, Today, do the mitzvot. And you know, tomorrow you'll get the reward. You won't get the reward straight away. Said mitzvot, we can get some kind of reward in this world. That's the famous Mishnah and Peah, right? We say every morning. Honoring parents. Honoring parents, you get fruits in this world. And the principle is in the next world. Kindness, acts of kindness. A person gets fruits in this world, but the main reward is in the next world. Having guests in your house. The fruits are in this world, but the main reward is in the next world. Coming to shul in the morning. Wow, that's waking up in the morning. That's a hard one. A person gets fruits in this world, and the main reward is in the next world. Havat shalom ben adam Making peace between husband and wife. That's a hard one. Big one. Big one. Get fruits in this world and get the main reward in the next world. What we're doing right now is equivalent to all 613 mitzvot. Learning Torah is the equivalent of all the 613 mitzvot. Today we do the mitzvot, tomorrow we get the pay. Mitzvah, the reward for a mitzvah is so big, this whole world is not big enough to contain the reward. So we have to realize that, that we have to strive and struggle. All the mitzvah we're doing is a down payment for a real house in the next world. A real house in the next world, a real place in the next world. There's no houses, there's no physical things. It's a spiritual world. It's a totally spiritual world. So we have to realize it's a spiritual world. We said this story, I don't I know we saw it, said it last week, it's a beautiful Midrash. The Midrash says that there was a rabbi called Rabbi Dustai. Rabbi Dustai, he always said, you know, that we Jews are working for the next world. And the pagans are working for this world. They want to enjoy themselves in this world. So one day, a very wealthy man who wasn't Jewish, he invited him to a party. Rabbi Dustai, you've got to come to this party. 
He goes to the party, sees a banquet. Never seen a banquet like this. Every kind of food in the world on the tables. Every single delicacy in the world on the, on the tables. All of a sudden, someone noticed there was some kind of exotic nut that wasn't on the table. He tells the host, there's something missing from your table. He said, what? He said, this nut from a distant country is missing from your table. The guy went berserk. Took all the tables, he smashed all the food, smashed everything, threw all the tables upside down. But this guy said, what's going on? Why are you doing that? He says, because you always say, the pagans only have this world. And I wanted to enjoy everything in this world. I wanted to show that I have everything in this world. I enjoyed this world to the fullest extent. And I see I didn't enjoy the world to the fullest extent. There's something missing from my table. I got really upset. That even this world I can't enjoy properly. You guys can look forward to enjoying the next world. But we can't even enjoy this world completely. Because there's so much here that we can't even get our hands on. So I became very angry. So it's very important to realize that we have a gift. And it's not a gift that we can see. It's not a gift we can touch. It's a gift we can sense. Once a week we sense. Shabbat is just a sense of a little bit of Olamba. A little bit of Olamba. A little bit of being above the distractions of this world. Shabbat is a day in which you don't get distracted. There's no advertising. There's no music. There's no radio. There's no TV. There's nothing. No distractions. It's a day you can focus on yourself and think about what am I doing in this world. It's a day which is a gift. And a day with God. And that's what Allah is all about. A day with God. So Rabban tells us, so I just want you to know there's no reward in this world and therefore don't get upset. The person says, you know what? I don't have anything. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. Why? Because the main reward is in the next world. Don't be upset. We find many Jews live the life of, especially in the ghettos, a life of trials and tribulations. They were peddlers, they had no money. The only day they had where they acted like kings was Shabbat. It's very amazing because they were paupers. They were paupers. When it came to Shabbat, everyone dressed up, everyone had a nice table, everyone put the best food on the table. And Shabbat was like, all of a sudden, like kings. It's amazing. That's what kept them going from one Shabbat to another Shabbat. A person's reward for observance of the commandments. This is the Rambam in Vaikra. He says, a person's reward for the mitzvot is in accordance with the intent of their heart. A person who observes the commandments for the purpose of receiving reward in this world will get reward in this world. It's amazing. A person comes to you and says, listen, I want to buy your mitzvah. Uh, what I mitzvah do you today? Say, let's say uh, we have the cemetery and we're digging the, the grave. We're, we're burying the person. A guy comes to you and says, listen, you know, you put in like five handfuls of dirt. I want to buy the mitzvah from you. Paris, is a good idea? I'll buy the mitzvah for you for a million dollars. Yes? Why not? Because there's, there's no price. Because there's no price for a mitzvah. It's like coming to you and saying, I'll buy your child from you. I'll pay you five billion dollars for your kid. You sell your kid? I don't know. Hope not. Yeah. But... That's the idea. The idea is there's no value to a mitzvah. I come to him and said, sell me your mitzvah. You know, it's a beautiful story. Rav Yisrael Salanta. He says, one day he was in a hotel. And everyone was drunk. All the merchants were there, and there's a good drink over there, and they're all drunk. And the merchants started having a, laughing and joking with each other. 
And one merchant says, he gets up and he says, I'm going to sell my olamaba. Who wants to buy my olamaba? He starts announcing. He's like, idiot, he's an idiot. So, Who wants to buy my olamaba? And the rabbi says, I want to buy it. How much do you want to pay? How much, how much do you want to pay? So I'll give you, I don't know how much it was, how many rubles? 100 rubles for his olamaba. The guy says, okay. He starts laughing at the rabbi. <laughs> Look at this fool. He's buying something you can't feel and you can't touch for 100, 100 rubles. And he's laughing. Look at his friends. They, 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 they sign a document. So and so, da, 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 so and so, and so and so. He's selling his alarm about to so and so and so and so. And the witnesses sign 100 rubles. Here, here's 100 rubles. I'm buying your alarm about. Imagine. He sold his alarm about. He goes home, tells his wife. He said, You know, there's a rabbi there, he's an idiot. I sold my alama bat to the rabbi for 100 rubles. And she says, get out of my house. I don't live with a man who doesn't have a lamba. Go buy your alama bat back. <laughs> I don't want to be with a man who has no alama bat. Imagine, it's hard to imagine, right? A person says, you know, I have no value for my future world. They don't know that wow. either. It all goes, Ramban says, all goes by your intent. If you think there's a value, there's a value. You know, it's interesting. We were learning in the Sanhedrin. We're doing the Mishnah every morning. The Mishnah says, a person who believes in Tiyat believe in the revival of the dead, will get revived. The dead will be revived. A person who doesn't believe, will not be revived. A person who believes in Alamaba, will get Alamaba. A person who doesn't believe in Alamaba, won't get Alamaba. So it's, a lot of it is to do with the person's belief system. We create our destinies with our belief system. If you believe in God, God is there for you. If you don't believe in God, He's not there for you. Very simple. You believe in Him, He's there. You don't believe in Him, He's not there. Very simple. If you believe everything is chance, Hashem says, If you walk with me by chance, I will also walk with you by chance. If you believe everything is evolution, everything is chance, your whole life will be chance. But if you believe Hashem is above you, Hashem says, I'll be there with you. I'll walk with you wherever you go. If you believe there's a Lamba, you get a Lamba. If you believe there's reward in this world only, you get reward in this world only. A person who doesn't believe in a Lamba will not get a Lamba. A person who observes with no thought of reward. A person does a mitzvah. There's different levels of doing mitzvah. A person says, you know what? I'm doing mitzvah for my Lamba. Okay, get a Lamba. A person says, you know what? I'm doing mitzvah because I want... I need money. I need a million dollars. Hashem, I'm doing the mitzvah. Please give me a million dollars. Hashem, okay, no problem. I'll give you a million dollars. The person says, you know what? I'm doing this because God is my boss. I don't want anything back. I'm doing it purely for Hashem. There's no ulterior motive. I'm doing it for no other reason except for God. There's a beautiful story. It says, the Vilna Gaon. You know, in Europe, there were no lulavim. You know, lulavim is on Sukkot. We shake the the palm branch and the etrog, the citron, and we shake it together. Like It's one of the crazy mitzvot in the Torah. Crazy. Because you see Jews walking around like this, you think they know what they do, mashuga, they are mad. They go mad. They're taking these little branches, shaking around like toys. and uh... But obviously there's something deep going on. Something very, very deep. The Kabbalists talk about how deep it is, the symbolism. And uh, in those days, in Europe, it was winter. You can't, you can't buy them. You can't, you can't get them. Maybe one in a whole town. Maybe there was one who loved in the whole town. Can you imagine? So someone comes to the Vilnagon. Vilnagon, here, look. I have this beautiful love in a truck set. The Vilnagon said, Sell it to me, sell it to me. I'll buy whatever you want. I can't find them. Sell it to me. He said, It's not for sale. 
but I'll give it to you if you sign to me all the reward you're going to get from this mitzvah. You sign to me now, I want all the reward from this mitzvah, whatever your mitzvah you do, I want the reward, and I'll give it to you. The says, okay, take, I'll sign the reward for the mitzvah. And he signs the paper, and he gives, gets the love, and he's so happy. And the students say, what's going on, Rabbi? What are you happy about? You just gave him all the reward for a mitzvah. The villain says, all my life, I wanted to do the reward, to mitzvah with no reward. All my life, I wanted to serve Hashem, to find a way to serve Hashem with no reward. So now let me ask you, if he signed away his reward, but he's doing the mitzvah for the sake of God, how much reward is he going to get? More or less? More. Much more. <laughs> he signed away his reward. Hashem, I, want, I don't want to get reward for this mitzvah. Hashem says, don't worry. I'll pay you anyway. You sign your reward away for the right reasons, not for the wrong reasons. Not because I don't believe in the reward. I believe in the reward. I believe in you, Hashem. I'm trying to find a mitzvah for the sake of L'Shem Shamayim. I want to do it for the sake of heaven. I'm not going to do it for the sake of money. I don't want to do it for the reward. You know, my father used to teach bar mitzvah. He used to teach kids bar mitzvah. And uh, he didn't take any money. He wouldn't take any money. He said, I'm doing this purely for the sake of God. And they tried to bring him carpets, and they tried to bring him cutlery, and tried to bring him this and that. No. I'm doing it for the mitzvah. I'm not doing it for reward. That's a, that's a very high level. Look for one mitzvah a person can do with no reward. A person can look for a mitzvah we can do purely for the sake of heaven. I'll give you an example. Over here, we have garbage in the shul. You see a guy coming along, taking the garbage out. What reward is he getting? If he's getting reward, he's getting, probably smells a little bit when he goes home. His mother, wife says, what happened? You're smelling. Says, no, it's just the garbage from the shul. That's a mitzvah. That's a reward you got to look for. That's a mitzvah you got a person got to look for that kind of mitzvah and see a mitzvah that no one else is doing. It's called a mate mitzvah. No one else is doing that mitzvah. Do the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah the person should get the most reward from. It's like anything else in life. If you see a good business opportunity, do it. If you see a good mitzvah that no one's doing, do it. That's the best mitzvah. So he says, it all depends on a person's intent. Only Hashem knows what we're thinking. Why is that person doing the mitzvah? Two people sitting next to each other. One's learning Torah and the other one's learning Torah. They're doing the same mitzvah. You look at them, it looks identical. Hashem is seeing the other guy's head, he says. This guy's learning Torah because he's getting paid in the kolel. This guy's learning Torah, he's not getting paid. He's doing it to the sake of learning Torah. Which one's greater? I don't know. Only God knows who's greater. But God can see from a person's mind. So it's very important. The purity of the mind is a whole book. There's a whole book. Chovat halevavot. The purity of the mind. The duties of the heart. The purity of the mind is very, very important. He says there are two types of good deeds. This is Chovot halevavot in Shara Bitachon. Some like the duties of the heart and concealed and known only to Hashem. For example, a person believes in God. Where do you? You don't have to say it. You just think it. So two people, one person walking down the street thinking, oh, Hashem, I, lo- I love you, I believe in you, I love you, I believe in you. The other guy's walking down the street. He's thinking about, is Jerusalem pizza open? Is Jerusalem pizza open? I wonder if it's open. They're doing the same thing. They're walking down the street. One person getting reward because he's thinking about Hashem. What are the six mitzvot? Every, every second of the day, a Jew's meant to be thinking of six things. Number one is, there's a God. Number two is, there's only... One God. Number three is, there's no other God. Number four is, I love God. Number five is, I fear God. Number six is, don't look after your heart and love your eyes. 
Don't go after your heart and your eyes. Six mitzvot. Constant mitzvot. So the question is, how can you do these mitzvot? How are you going to drive down the road? There's a God, there's a God. There's no other God, there's no... There's one God. And the answer should be in the back of your mind. If it's in the back of your mind, in your subconscious, you know there's Hashem. You're getting reward every second of the day. Every second of the day. Because in the back, you're running your life knowing there's a God. Knowing there's a God. So that's called the duty of the heart. So there's duties of the heart, there's duties of the hands. Some it's what you've got to do physically, some it's what you're thinking in your head. Some it's what people can see, some it's what people can't see. And then you go to Shemaim and say, hey, I did all these mitzvot. <laughs> I read a beautiful story yesterday. The guy goes to heaven. He says, he sees who's in heaven. He says, this guy, he was a crook. And this guy, he spoke Lashonara. And this guy, what do they do in heaven? He goes to the angel and he says, and before he could talk, the angel says, you know what, they're wondering what you're doing here. <laughs> we always think bad about other people. And they think, imagine, those guys have, what's that guy got to do in here? What's he doing in the heaven? What's he doing in heaven? And they're thinking, what's he doing in heaven? So Hashem knows who's good, Hashem knows who's bad. Hashem judges us not just by our deeds, but also what we're thinking as well, thoughts. Thoughts are very, very important. The Midrash says, this is a beautiful story. Rabbi Shimon ben Chalafta. He was so poor, he had nothing to eat on Shabbat. He had nothing. So he goes to a place outside the city and he pours his heart out to Hashem. And Hashem gives the rabbi a jewel. He finds a jewel over there by the street. He goes to the store and he buys all the Shabbat food. And he goes home, and his wife says, what happened? Where do you get all this food from? He said, Hashem gave me the food. What's the problem? You have a problem? Hashem gave me the food. His wife says, if you don't tell me, she was tough. If you don't tell me where you got the food, I'm not going to eat the food. She said, Hashem gave you the food. Hashem gave you the jewel. The wife says, I will not taste the thing all Shabbat unless you give the jewel back. After Shabbat. He said, why? He says, don't you realize the jewel is from our table in the next world? It's very similar to Khalina ben Dosa. Do you want to have reward of your eternal table? I, you know, I don't, I disagree with this, Kamar. I'll tell you why. Because if you're using your reward in Lama Bat to have, keep Shabbat, you're doing a mitzvah with it. You're getting double reward, I think. I don't know. That's my perspective. So she says, no. So what happened? Rabbi Shimon goes to Rabbi Yudha Nasi, and Rabbi Yudha Nasi tells her this is a very similar story. He says, if there's any gaps on your table, I'll bring it for my table. What's the problem? I'll give it to you. My Rabbi Yudha Nasi, his table was, don't worry, overflowing. Rabbi Shimon told his wife, and she says, no, not going to eat. She comes before Rabbi Yudha Nasi, and she says, Rabbi, how could you propose to transfer reward from one table to another in the world to come? We know that a tzaddik doesn't even see another tzaddik in the world to come. Everyone is living in their own worlds. 310 worlds. Rabbi Ranasi relented and Rabbi Shimon gave back that jewel. It's a very strange story. What is the story telling? What is the story telling us? And the same, it's a similar idea. All the reward in this world cannot make up for one thing in the next world. All the reward in this world cannot make up for the next world. Sefer Yashar, it's Rabbi Tam. Rabbeinu Tam was the grandson of Rashi. 
he talks about how do we understand the world to come? How can we understand? How can we human beings who see with physical eyes and, and touch physical things? How can we understand the world to come, which is not physical? Look what he says. He says, this, this world is like a cave buried deep in the ground, cut off from surface contact. Imagine. Think of this. We are buried in this universe. Imagine. Think about the universe. We're buried in the universe. It's beautiful. The universe is beautiful. In fact, they're making, they made a car. The British made a car. So I think it's Rolls Royce or whatever it is. It has uh, little LED lights like a star. Stars mm-hmm. in the night. Like you look up in the car and you see it's like a, a night sky. You know. The world is beautiful. You go outside, stars, beautiful. I mean, especially if you go to a hot country and you're out there in the... St- ah, it's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. You sit out there and the st- it's really... It's like one, once... It happened to me once. I was driving to... to uh, where was I driving? Montreal. Thank you. I knew you. I was driving to Montreal. I've said this story many times. I was driving to Montreal. I was driving to Montreal. And I, I'm tired. I get to a rest area. It was ready 2 a.m. The rest area is closed. It's pitch black. Just to sit down for 10 minutes, walk around. Pitch black, black, not a, not a light on, nothing, zero. We open the door, we get outside, me and my wife. We look up. We say, wow. I've seen thousands of stars. I've never seen. You can't see it from this town. Mm-hmm. You go outside and you can't see it. You go out in the dark in the middle of nowhere. That hits you. The light, the stars. Mm-hmm. How great are your works, Hashem. That's what David Amir says. So he says the opposite. He says, think about This world is like you're in a cave. You're underground cave. All you can see is the walls of the cave. And you live there. And all you know is it's dark and the caves and tunnels. Imagine living in the subway, say, Parminan. Live downstairs in the subway. <laughs> All you can see is darkness and, uh, and tunnels. And then, after a while, they come out of the tunnel. And they see there's mountains and valleys. And, and I can see as far as, wow, I can see thousands of miles at a distance, soaring mountains, seas, all the wonders of nature. How dazzled you'd be by the brilliance of the sun and the stars and the endless heavens. He said the same thing applies. We think we're in this world, and it's a big world. When we come on the other side, we'll say, wow, it's amazing. We were like in a tunnel before. It's hard to imagine, right? Hard to imagine. So there's a couple of, of interesting uh, mishalim, parables. Number one is think of twins inside a stomach. Mother's stomach. Twins. Right? And one twin is, and, and the mother is now going to labor. Things are just moving over there. And one twill tells the other, we're finished, we're finished, I can't anymore, I'm, I'm screaming, shout. he starts screaming and shouting, he's going, man, the world's ending, the world's coming to an end. And the other twin says, don't worry, we're going to come out into a different world, you've got to open, see with your eyes, breathe with your nose, eat with your mouth. And the guy says, you're mad, we're eating through our umbilical cord, there's nothing else, there's water around us, we're like in the ocean, moving around like fish. He says, don't worry, we're going to come out of the... And the guy says, you're crazy. And they come out. One comes out screaming, one comes out happy. That's this world. Two people die. One guy goes, and he doesn't know what's going on. He goes mad. He's going mad. He's dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Everything's ending. Everything's ending. And the guy says, we're just starting. It's a new beginning. Come out to a new world. So we believe, as Jews, we believe there's another world beyond this. This world does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. Kids are born. 
and then kids, they could live for 80 years, and then gone, that's it, finish, halas, it's gone, it's like finishing the book, how long did it take us? You start, and you finish, like everything has, it's linear, this world is linear, God's world is not linear, why? Because God is above time, time does not exist, if you can link yourself to God, you'll also be above time, so God's world is not linear, so only our world is linear, but we're going to come into a new destiny that's called Alamabad. And a person should always think about it. And then the Ramban, Ramban finishes off. I'm just going to finish you the end of the Ramban. Every single day. I gave this out last week. right? Last week I gave out the letter of the Ramban. If you don't have it, look on the, on the internet, the letter of the Ramban, and download it. It's one page. It's always one page. It's one page. Every day read this letter. He says, if you, I guarantee you, if you read this letter, the, the day you read the letter, you'll never be damaged. Everything will go well for you. Every day you read the letter, nothing will Every day, look, every day you read this letter, heaven shall answer your heart's desires. Every day you read this letter. Okay, so what does that mean? Heaven will answer your heart's desires. That's very dangerous. How can he guarantee that? He guarantees. He guarantees because he knows his son. Now, you always have to offer a carrot. If you want to motivate someone, there's only two ways to motivate someone. It's called the carrot and the stick. You heard of it? How do you motivate someone? How do you motivate kids? So today, the punishments are, go to your room. Now, what can you do with a kid? What can you do with a kid? You can't smack a kid. It's child abuse. You can't starve the kid. The kids are going to starve. It's child abuse. What do you do? Go to the room. Go and stay in your room now for an hour. That's as much as do. So the kid goes to the room, and there's books over there, there's their TV, a computer, whatever, they have fun over there. And then they come out after that, and nothing happens. Nothing. That's the, the stick. What's the carrot today? I'll buy you this, I'll buy you this, and I'll buy you this, and I'll buy you this. So now the Ramban is talking to his son. He says, Every day you listen, you read the letter, everything goes well for you. All your prayers get answered. But it's very dangerous for a person's prayers to be answered. You know why? Because it depends what he's praying for. So whenever you bless someone, always say, may your prayers be answered if it's good for you, for your benefit, for your good. So he, he tells us, they will answer you according to your heart's desires. What does that mean? So if you desire the right things, Hashem will give you the right things. Hashem, if you don't desire the right things, in other words, you've got to read the letter to know what to ask for. The person's got to know, before they pray, what do I need to fix what do I want from God? Can you imagine, God is all-powerful. What do I want from God? Suppose person says, you know, I wouldn't mind if I was a rich man, a wealthy man, you know, if I were a rich man, fiddle on the roof, you know. Uh, it would help me tremendously. Would it really? I don't know. Or if I was, you know, people don't realize, the most important thing to pray for is health, health. Happiness. happiness, wisdom. 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 The first thing we pray for is wisdom. You pray for. The most important thing we pray for is wisdom. Why? Because when you pray for wisdom and you're wise, then you know what you pray for. Mm. If you don't have wisdom, wisdom, you won't know what to pray for. Very simple. So wisdom is very, very important. In Psalms we say, Karov Hashem Lechokorav. This is Ashrei. Hashem is close to those who call out to Him. Whoever calls out to Him in proof, in truth, in sincerity. So, how can we say that? How can we say Hashem is close to all who call out to Him? We see so many prayers going unanswered. So the answer is, the Rabbi, the David Amel says, if you call out to Him in truth. Hashem is close to all those who call out to Him. Only if you call out to Him in truth. 
with total confidence. With total confidence. You know, the famous story that says the rabbi is giving a, a class and he says, if you have emunah in God, you don't have to go to work. So there was a guy who was a peddler. He comes home. He says, his wife, you don't have to go to work anymore. The rabbi said, I don't have to go to work anymore. I trust in God, he's going to provide that thing. He sold his horse, he sold his car, stayed home. One day goes by, nothing happened. The rabbi said, I don't have to work, I have faith in God. Second day goes by, nothing happened. Third day goes by, there ain't no, where, his wife says, where, where, what's going on? Where's the food? Where's the money? You said, yeah, Shabbat's going to provide, where is it? Fourth day goes by, nothing. Fourth day goes by, nothing. Shabbat coming, he says. She's panicking. Go, to, to, go do something. So he goes to the rabbi. He says, rabbi says, you promised me if I have faith in God, everything's going to happen. The rabbi says, listen, I know God's going to give you a million dollars. Can I buy it off you for 10,000? He says, sure, of course. Give me 10,000 now. You keep the million. <laughs> he says, you don't have faith. Because who would sell a million dollars for 10,000? No one. And therefore, you don't have faith, and that's why Hashem don't answer you. So faith means 100% faith. And that faith is so hard to get. Why? Because that faith was Nachshon ben Aminadav. Who is Nachshon ben Aminadav? The one who got inside the... Oh, yeah. someone, someone's awake over here. Well, yeah. <laughs> he crossed the sea, right? The Red Sea. The sea split. Imagine, Hashem says, the sea's going to split. Okay. Where is the sea going to split? Moshe, put your stick over the stick. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Until one Jew jumped in. Up to his neck. He jumped in till the water was up to his commandment. If the water in those places is going to drown, that's when the water split. He shows confidence in Hashem. You have to show confidence in Hashem. Amazing. Tremendous confidence in Hashem. Then, only then, there's a split. That's pure faith. That's faith. Faith is, but there's nothing else. There's no other alternatives. There's no other alternatives. That's faith. So when a person prays with that sincerity, when a person looks for other cures, I want to go to the doctor, I'll go to the banker, I'll go to the general. But he has to do it knowing that they're God's tools. If he doesn't think, you know, they're not God's tools. The doctor is a good doctor. Irrespective of God, not God, he's a good doctor. Dangerous. You've got to think of him as a tool of God. It's God's power coming through the doctor. And it's so hard to find the right doctor. Because even good doctors make mistakes find the right doctor it's a person needs really it's called siyata dishmai whatever we do we need God's help so a person goes to the doctor you got to pray Hashem go, you got a general who knows David Amir says if Hashem does not guard the city all the gods in the city cannot guard the city we need Hashem's help in everything we do so a person prays but he's got to pray with true faith in God through praise, look at the power of prayer. Yeshua, Joshua, stop the sun. Imagine he prays. What does it say? Shemesh, come on, guys. Be Givon Dom. Shemesh Be Givon Dom. Givon was a place where they're fighting with the, the Canaanites. He said, Hashem, don't let the sun set today. Because if we, the sun sets, all the enemy runs away, they'll escape. Don't let the sun stay. Amazing. Think about it. The power of prayer can stop the sun from sending the power of prayer. Elijah and Elisha resurrected the dead. The children were brought back to life because through their prayers. Why? Because their prayers were true prayers. Their prayers, they know how to pray. They pray with all their hearts with the truth. 
So look what happens now. Now what about the prayers that are not answered? Find there was Rosh Hashiva Lakewood over here was suffering. He was dying. And 10,000 students are praying for him. 10,000 students praying for him, praying for him, praying for him. And they go to the rabbi in Israel, Steipler, the Steipler. I've been to see him. Scary guy, very scary guy. Go to Steipler. And Steipler were praying, praying, praying for the rabbi. Nothing's happening. What's happening? He said, don't worry, he says. No prayer is wasted. No prayer is wasted. You pray for someone, it's not, you didn't hear. That prayer goes to someone else. Someone else needs the prayer, that one person. We don't know whether. Don't be dismayed, he says. No such thing as a sincere prayer that goes unanswered. If it's not answered today, it will be answered tomorrow. If it doesn't answer tomorrow, it will be answered in a week. If it's not in a month, it will be answered in a year. Not in 10 years, 100 years, or more. If they're answered in your lifetime, they'll be answered for your children and your children's children. Imagine. All prayers are answered one day. All the prayers. Sincere prayers are always answered. So, uh, beautiful, beautiful. There's a beautiful story. The Ramban tells the people, you read my letter, your prayers will be answered. So therefore, a person should say, when I read the letter of the Ramban, I'm answering the merit of the Ramban. So there's a beautiful Gemara. The Gemara says in Bob Matziah, 60 sailors, can you imagine? You're sitting in your house, and 60 sailors come from abroad, bring you presents. 60 sailors. So this is Rabbi Lazar bin Rabbi Shimon, the son of Rabbi Shimon Barichai. Rabbi Lazar, imagine, he's sitting in his house, 60 sailors come from abroad with presents for him. So he says, what's going on? Why do you bring me presents? I, I, don't, I don't even know who you are. Who are you? He says, we were in the ship, and the ship, there was a big storm, and we prayed to God, answer us! And nothing happened. We say, Hashem, please answer us in the merit of this righteous person, this righteous person. So we came to your name, in the merit of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's son, Rabbi Lazar. And the storm stopped. Imagine, we've lost everything. So we're coming to give you presents because you saved us from the storm. So, whatever you do in the merit of someone else, it's also for their merit as well. So you're praying, Hashem, answer us in the merit of the Ramban's, the Ramban's letter. The Ramban is also getting credit. So that's basically this, uh, the uh, Ramban's uh, letter. I just want to give you one more little little uh, nugget from the from the book he we talked about the first part of the book talks about humility talks about being humble and in fact that is the first thing a person should think of before they pray before a person prays the Shemunah should think I am low and Hashem is high Hashem is great and I'm low Hashem can do I need Hashem's help Hashem does not need my help Number two, he talks about midot. He talks about how to perfect one's character traits, especially the trait of anger. A person should learn not to get angry. And through humility, a person can control their anger. Number three, he talks about how a person should be happy with their their lot. Whatever happens in life, they should be happy. And how happiness is a state of mind. Number four, he talks about how to have a relationship with God. Having a relationship with God. So this is a very important idea in, ter- in terms of intertwining midot, good, good traits, and emunah. That's the, the key is in our lives to work on these two areas of our lives. Number one is our own personality. 
not to get angry, not to get suspicious of other people, not to not to be uh, nasty to people. These are our traits. And, you know, some people are naturally nice and some people not so naturally nice. The people naturally nice don't have to work so hard. You know, there's a famous, I just read yesterday, there was a big, a Rebbe who passed away. And his son was young, 19 years old. So now who's going to be the next Rebbe? He only has one son. So they make the next Rebbe his son. 19-year-old Rebbe. Can you imagine? 19-year-old Rebbe. This Rebbe, he's 65, 70 years old with a long white beard. And this new son, he's barely got a beard. But he's a Rebbe. So the Hasidim are in turmoil. They don't know what. Should we accept this new Rebbe who has, who's a young man or not? So one of the older Rebbe's, one of the old students came to me and said, listen, I'll give you a mashal. I'll give you a parable. <coughs> You're climbing Mount Everest. Can you imagine? You know it's like to climb Mount Everest? I don't know. I've never done it. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to climb Mount Everest. You're climbing Mount Everest, climbing, 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 all these guys, all these backpacks and, uh, and their masks and the oxygen, this and that. And yeah, you get to a plateau over there. And you see a little baby over there. You say, hey, how did he climb the mountain? There's no way this kid could climb the mountain. How did he get there? He was born there. He was born there. His parents had him over there. He said in life, he says, we're trying to climb the mountains, but there's some people born high. So you can have two people. One, an older person who's struggling to reach, climb the mountain of God. And then you get another guy who's up there already. Why? Because his parents climbed the mountain. And his parents gave birth to him on a very high level. The kid doesn't have bad traits. Why? Because his parents cured the bad traits. The kid is born with no bad traits. The kid is born with a smile on his face. You ever seen kids with a smile on their face? Always smiling, always happy. Why? Because the parents control themselves. So that's the power of preparation. That's the power of what's called Zakud Avod Zakud. I talked about earlier the idea of purity... That we, if we have purity, can pass down the purity to our children, make their lives easier for the future. And then we talked about personal accounting, how every night a person's got to give an accounting. What did I do today? Was I good? Was I bad? What did I do? And then we talked about prayer, how to be successful in tefillah. Okay, we're going to stop here, and we'll continue. There's no class for the next... You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.